This is The Camp with Zach Heilprin and the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Yes, welcome into The Camp. I'm Zach Heilprin. That's the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Badgers getting ready for a visit from Northwestern on Saturday as they look to snap a two-game losing streak uh, against a Northwestern team that's much better than maybe what a lot of people thought they were going to be this year considering all the stuff that they had to go through uh, this last summer. Um, maybe they didn't have to go through, but uh, that the that the program itself uh, put itself in position to have to go through. I think that might be a better uh, way to describe that, but either way, they're playing much better football. We'll talk all about the Northwestern game tomorrow night when we're out at Monks and Sun Prairie. Uh, if you can't make it out there, make sure to Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get yours. All right, Jesse, let's start here first with uh, what Luke Fickle had to say Monday, because I think a lot of people, we heard what he said after after the game on Saturday, he was obviously disappointed, but I think, I think there were some pointed questions on Monday, uh, including especially from you, and asking about what he could have done differently to potentially, potentially uh, not have what has happened here. Like, how, what does he look like? What does he look at in himself that he could have done differently that maybe would have put Wisconsin in a better position to deal with some of the stuff that they've had to deal with this year. And uh, the fact that they're sitting at five and four and three and three in the conference, what were some of uh, the things that he said? He talked briefly about strategic decisions that he could make, which he's mentioned before over the course of the season. Do you kick a field goal here, be more aggressive, pull back here. But then he went into big picture and he talked about how, as a coach, you've got to make sure that you've got enough guys prepared. I, I think we heard him say something like this earlier in the year, just about what he learned in going through spring practices and fall camp. But what he said is when you have things happen, like lost a couple tailbacks, he said, maybe we weren't built and prepared well enough for some of those other guys to go into the ball game. And I thought that was interesting just because he uh, was talking about how do you accomplish that? Is it done through the off season? Is it done through recruiting? And he also talked about it's fall camp, spring practice, where he said he looks back on it and, and maybe they didn't do enough in terms of live situations to make sure those younger guys were battle tested to go into a game. And I don't know if I look back at that statement and think, well, would this have made a difference if you had the backup quarterback go live and he can get tackled or you play more of the threes, would they suddenly be in better position? It's obviously hindsight is going to be 2020 here. You also needed to get the guys ready that you were going to go with and couldn't have anticipated you were going to lose your top two running backs and all the other entries they've had Tanner Mordecai included, but that was his big picture takeaway or a big picture takeaway. And I think the other thing that's worth mentioning is it's kind of challenging in the middle of this season when you get one bye week, you got to prepare every week for the next opponent, try to figure out each day how to get the best out of your team during practice. Tough to be reflective. And I even prefaced the question that that way. And, and he said, I'm, I'm not like, he's not one to reflect anyway, but then he said, but go ahead. Uh, hmm. And so I think maybe he'll be able to look back on things more when the season is over, but I thought that was an interesting big picture takeaway in terms of what he feels like he could potentially do differently as the head coach here. Well, coming into this season, it felt like the two places that they desperately could not lose anybody was at tight end and was at running back, right? Those were the two places because you you liked your... I'm talking about in the summer. Before we knew that 
some of those guys at tight end weren't going to be there. Uh, you know, you felt like there was a bunch of bodies there, but you weren't really sure. And at running back, you knew you had a top two, but maybe the guys behind them were not going to be great. And those were the only two places they didn't add anybody from the transfer portal. Um, right? They added at quarterback. They added at wide receiver. They added at offensive line. I'm talking about on the offensive side of the ball. Those are the two places they didn't add anybody from the transfer portal. And right. while, I mean, you can't foresee your top two running backs going down, you kind of can foresee it with those two guys. So <laughs> the fact that they weren't able to add another running back, and I understand why they weren't able to add another running back, who in their right mind is going to want to transfer into a school and be automatically the number three and have no shot at jumping the other two other than hoping hoping that they get uh, you know, injured, which obviously is not something that a player is going to want to do. So that that is, that is one thing. And then you lose, obviously, the guys at tight ends, you, allegedly right before... You know, fall camp opens up and then Jack Pugh is is gone. So you're missing three guys that maybe you were counting on. At least we thought that they're going to be counting on and they're having to go back down the list of other guys. So those are two spots like that are paramount to this offense succeeding. And they don't they don't have the guys at that at those spots right now that I think can um, are, are the type of guys that maybe they want right now. Right. Like they don't have explosion at either one of those spots. Riley Nowakowski, I feel like maybe is is coming back a little bit, but he's still six one in playing tight end. So there's there's that aspect to it. When I when I think about what they could have done behind them, I don't think they could have done a ton of things behind them. Like what does it matter if you give Jackson Aker a fewer few more reps here or Katie Akamili a few more reps there? They got a ton of reps in the spring. And the same thing for the tight ends. Like they it's a tough spot to be in. I don't know that they could have done anything differently at those two spots. Quarterback, we saw Braden Locke take a ton of snaps, right? So I don't, I don't know that I totally agree with that idea that they they weren't ready to play. I, I just think that they maybe aren't the best fits for what they're trying to do. I am of that mindset as well. And I think I was trying to allude to that before is if you sorry, had gotten sorry, them- I, sorry, I came out, just said it. My no, bad. no. <laughs> this is why you're here. This is why you're here. You get right to the point. Um, but uh, now I guess I can follow up on it. Um, like if you had given them 10 extra drives in the spring or in the fall, would it have mattered? This comes down to talent level and what you have and what you don't. And I wrote a story on Monday going position by position of expectations versus reality of what, what did we think this was potentially going to be like when the season started and what has happened and we touched on this after the Indiana game, but there is not a position group that you can say they are performing at the level or beyond the level that we thought in the preseason. Maybe our expectations were too high, but it's really unfortunate at those two positions in particular. You, there's, I don't fault them for not going to the portal and getting guys at those positions. Things happen in football, right? I, I, I wrote this as well, that the next football team that goes through a season without major injuries is going to be the first, but... You had Braylon and Chez, and based on the timeline that we're aware of, you thought you were going to have Clay Cundiff and potentially Jack Eschenbach and certainly Jack Pugh. Those, to me, would have been your top three playmaking pass catchers coming into the season, and now you don't have any of them. So some of this is it's clearly personnel-based, the talent level, not at what we expected. I wonder how much of this is an offense that's kind of trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, if you will, where like – we've talked about, you've got guys that were part of the last three seasons that weren't very good in that system. So it's a lot of things all at once. 
but no doubt about it. You're not getting enough out of running back right now. Need Braylon Allen to come back. I don't know what that status is going to be like or whether, whether he will. And at tight end, it, it, they just haven't given the offense enough. And, and while there is talent there, Hayden Ritchie has four catches for 23 yards since the Purdue game. Tucker Ashcraft has one catch for three yards with, it was that touchdown, but in that same stretch, it's just not enough. And so it's been a, it's been uh, a challenging year to say the least. Yeah. I mean, obviously extremely, extremely challenging. And he, I, I think another one that thing that stood out for me when it, when it comes to him talking about the team and where they are emotionally or, you know, in their mind and like where he goes, they're very resilient and you wouldn't necessarily know that they're going through something right now based on their actions. And he kind of said that may not be a great thing. Kind of said uh, it's okay for guys to be emotional. It's okay for guys to get upset. It's okay for guys to show their, their passion. And maybe they haven't necessarily done that uh, to the point where, and again, I'm not going to try and pretend that I'm a body language expert. Not going to do it. I know that has been a long-held uh, treasure for Wisconsin fans at times. It's trying to decide on body, on guys' body language. Basketball really is uh, is probably where it stands out the most. But uh, so I'm not going to do that. But it felt like they were a little flat the other day. And if Fickle's saying that they need to show more emotion, they need to show passion. Well, I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and disagree with them. Yeah. So that was another question that I asked him, and the the, the question was. Um, and again, you know, and, I, and again, before ahead. you dive before you dive into this, I understand that this is such a cliche thing to be talking about. I totally get that before uh, before we dive into this, but uh, it, it felt noticeable on on Saturday at Indiana. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I said I I know that it can be tough for guys when you're going through a season and it hasn't met expectations. What would you say is the most important message you want to provide to this team as you go through the rest of this year? And he ended up touching on the post-game speech that he gave, because as we remember uh, in Bloomington, he mentioned that he was upset with them, but we didn't get any more in terms of what exactly did you say? And and that was the message that he said. And I laid into them a little bit after the game that I feel like at times it's okay to be pissed. At times it's okay to be a little bit more emotional at some of the situations that you don't love. And then he went into the fact that there is a balance and a fine line. He likes the fact that they don't get rattled, but he said, let's lose a little bit of the calmness and let's get a little bit more of the passion and the energy. And we know even in the year, less than year that we've covered Luke, how fiery and competitive he is. It's been a storyline his entire uh, career, but I thought it was interesting that you touched on this because that was my takeaway too, is he said it, it might be difficult to tell from being around players that they're not where they expected to be. It was both, in my mind, a compliment, a sign of their resiliency, and yet something else, which is that other part. But he talked about how he liked the way that the defense responded after giving up a touchdown on the opening drive against Indiana. He liked the way they practiced on Sunday after the loss, called it the best Sunday practice they'd had all season. But he doesn't like the results. And so it's weird because you can like the resiliency, but I think he's trying to Learn about this team, first of all, because this is still a learning experience this entire first year, and you really learn when you get into these games. And I think he's also trying to mold them in his image, which is show some of that energy and emotion and passion. And it, it doesn't mean that this team doesn't care, but he just wants some of those dogs who are going to get after it 
uh, and really just take it to another level. You can't see me right now, but I rolled my eyes so hard when uh, talked about the best Sunday practice they've ever had. Because we've heard yeah. it before. <laughs> I mean, it just it's just the most ridiculous thing to say. I mean, it. <laughs> Awesome. He said it. You you had an amazing. That's I'm not saying that you said it. I'm saying that he said it. It's just I mean, it's just a thing a coach says, right? Like it's just it's as coach speak as coach speak gets. Um, And that's fine because, you know, he, again, talks a lot more than the previous coach does and gives us a lot more than the previous coach does. But when it comes to that, that 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 made me made me uh, roll my eyes a little. A little hard there. They actually kind of hurt right now, <laughs> considering how how hard I rolled them. But uh, one thing before gun, I, I remember what I wanted to to bring up. It was the you talked about um, trying to fit a you know a, a, a square peg in a round hole. Yeah, I thought I thought that is what, especially when he was the offensive coordinator, Paul Chris did better than anybody that had been around. And it's fitting your offense around the personnel as opposed to fitting the personnel into your offense. Mm-hmm. And I'm not. And again, Phil Longo has done this at so many different places. I guarantee he has made some adjustments, um, but they haven't been able to do that. They have not been able to to figure things out in that respect at this point. So the that is one thing that stood out. I'm not saying Paul Chris was great at it later in his career, but as an offensive coordinator, he's very very good at it when he, um, you know, in 2005 and six, and you know, maybe not six, but. The other times he was really good at at figuring things out and kind of adjusting his his plan as he went along to fit the personnel as opposed to the other way around. So, little little Paul Chris love here on a on a Wednesday in the middle of November. Um, the other thing that that kind of stood out, he was asked about potentially potentially because of the uh, the lack of mobility from Brain Lock that potentially maybe have a package for a Miles Burkett or a Nick Evers and whether they could give them something in the backfield. And he, I don't think he shut it down completely, but he sh- he kind of shut it down. Like mm-hmm. he, it, it felt very much like we're not going to throw those guys in there having never played a snap and we're already struggling and, you know, potentially a little loose with the ball and all those and just throw them in there and, and say, oh, here we go. Hopefully this this jump starts things. That said, he also did say that maybe need to do some different things to jumpstart the offense. I just don't feel like it's going to be at the quarterback spot. I think he gave a great answer to that question because there's no doubt you and I have heard it. Fans have been talking about it. Should Wisconsin give consideration to a package for Miles or Nick? Got to do something different. And he said that we've got to go with what we believe is the best way for us to win a football game. And right now, we don't believe that's the way to do it. You're right. He didn't completely shut the door. Maybe things change moving forward. And he acknowledged that they do have to be more creative because we've seen the results haven't been there. But he talked about the trust that you've got to have in your quarterback that know they're going to take care of the football and you're going to throw a quarterback in who hasn't played at all and expect to have the trust in him. It's just not going to happen. So is a good answer. may not be the answer. Some fans want to hear because they just want to see something different. But if, if you've got an opinion and a perspective and you're going to move forward, then at least he provided it. I think the ups and downs that come with a young quarterback is kind of what we saw last week against Indiana. You know, mm-hmm. the, the game that Braden Locke had against Ohio state, thought he put passes where they needed to be. There was there was a lot of, I think, momentum coming off Ohio State game, and it didn't carry over. He did not have a great day. I know he talked about it on Tuesday where it wasn't necessarily where he, I think he had double-digit number of plays he said he'd like to have back. Mm-hmm. So there, so it's not necessarily like because of what happened last Saturday against Indiana, everyone's down in brain lock. 
despite what he did against Ohio State. And again, not great all against Ohio State, but put them in position to win. Didn't necessarily get a ton of help uh, from his receivers, but against Indiana, it wasn't good enough. And so all of a sudden, people are back to the where are the guys behind him. And everyone's favorite player is the back of quarterback, and that is currently, um, I guess, Miles Burkett, and along with Nick Evers, just because of Nick Evers' athletic ability. And we know his physical traits are better than anybody else in that room. It's just there's so much more that goes into it. But we'll we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, maybe there is one thing that could that could jumpstart the offense. Um, maybe the mm-hmm. inclusion the inclusion the inclusion of a potential true freshman. Is there anybody that stands out to you that that may see time here down the stretch, Jesse? <laughs> Was this a segue to for me to talk about <laughs> Tretch Tretch Kekahuna? It <laughs> is. I thought I here's where I thought you were going to go with okay. that. Uh, they made a ton of depth chart changes, which Uh-oh. mostly feel like procedural. Like, yeah, we saw these guys start. And I thought you were going to go with, oh, Jake Renfro's finally listed in the two deep. Is there any chance that because that's <laughs> happened, suddenly that's going to jumpstart the offense? Uh, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest. So, so I didn't I didn't make it to uh, I, I didn't make it on Monday to, to fickle. <laughs> but I, I saw yes, I saw the your, your story going out <laughs> depth chart changes. And I'm like, oh, whoa. <laughs> All right. So I went so I went and found the depth chart right away and I'm like what am I supposed to be looking for here? Because I, I what? And I didn't uh, say so, they'd make your jaw drop. I said yeah. they were changes. Oof. And there's a lot of changes. Just there, there, were, not, there were changes. I don't think they were anybody 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 jumping out of their seat because Renfro's <laughs> essentially been the number 2 center. I just feel like that hasn't not been updated since uh since the start of the year. Yeah. Um, but, go, but go ahead. I mean, if you'd like to talk about Jake Renfro before Tretch Kahuna, no, you can. I mean, what is there to say? We have not had a chance to talk to him despite our best efforts. So I don't know what he's thinking or how far along his progress is. They've gone with the same five. I don't know if we're going to see Renfro, but there's only three games left in the regular season. So uh, not much more to say on that other than <laughs> only only at Wisconsin. I feel like out of all the programs ever, do you get a fan base that uh, and rightfully so? I should say talks this much about the role of the backup center. Uh, now, obviously a lot of that has to do with <laughs> maybe some of the issues they've had at times with the starting center, but, uh, but I don't, I, I don't, I haven't seen any of the issues the last couple, like the last no, week or two. Not lately. And so I don't think putting Jake in is going to magically fix anything right now. Like I don't, I, I, I think once the ball snap, Jake, I think, well, first of all, I think Tanner is a better center, like just a better yeah. offense lineman than Jake Renfro to begin with. Um, and if snaps are not a problem, then there's no reason to make the move. Yep, because there, there's, I, there's no the snaps are not the issue. Snaps are not an issue right now. So, right um, again, uh, yeah. So, fantastic, and, fantastic. Jake Renfro's number two. <laughs> I believe, at least based on how Pro Football Focus does its numbers, that uh, Tanner has the number one pass blocking grade on the unit. So, very talented player. Uh, just Tanner, thrown into a tough spot. Yes, Tanner after the snap is one of their best offensive linemen. Yes, and to the and for the last few weeks, the snaps have not been an issue. So I think uh, for the most part, have not been an issue. So this is to me not not even a conversation. Now, if you think now if you think Tanner is a better guard, and you think you know you can get better play from putting Jake Renfro at center and putting Tanner at one of the guard spots, okay. But mm-hmm. just to just to simply say, hey, Jake, you're in at center, and Tanner, you're out. That wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. And no. I know, and I don't think anybody's making that argument. But I, the interior positions to the sides of Tanner Bordellini have left a little bit to be desired this year. 
Yes. Um, which I think makes people wonder why Trey Reddick has kind of disappeared from the guard rotation, but I don't know that again, is, is that going to make all the difference? I don't think so. Um, but let's get into Tretch Gekahuna yes. <laughs> since, since we up. haven't had a chance to see him. Um, I did have a chance to talk to Tretch, uh, this week. It's first time talked to him since he flipped his commitment from Arizona to Wisconsin during that wild few days and a couple other freshmen as well. Talked to Christian Allegro and Jonas Duclona. Because we're at that point in the year where let's just look to the future. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think I think Tretch is just such an interesting player for this offense down the road. We didn't have a chance to see a single snap of his in fall camp because he didn't take any. And he told me that he actually broke his uh, foot, right foot, fifth metatarsal, he said. Um, and the Big toe or the small toe? Well, I'm going to have to Google it because I haven't written the story. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> so <laughs> um, Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but I'll it was Google just it. in... It was it was it was before fall camp started. He was running a route. He said it was like a, an in breaking route on the McLean Center field, and it just happened. And so it took a while to get back. Now he's on the travel squad. We saw him for the first time get some reps as the up man on kick returns. So hasn't touched the ball, but I just think he's got a skill set that really fits in well as a slot receiver. If anybody's seen his highlights, just in, a total playmaker. And he did it at Bishop Gorman last year in Vegas. Some of that probably had to do with uh, Zachariah Branch, the five-star wide receiver, was on the other side. And who are you gonna <laughs> who are you gonna right. focus your attention on if you can pick one? But nonetheless, put up big numbers at a football powerhouse, and now he's starting to get into the groove. I know you mentioned before we'd heard that there was a practice during the bye week where they had a long drive with the reserves, and Tretch was was the one who ended up catching the touchdown. And I asked him about that. It was in the corner of the end zone. I think he's starting to get some more confidence. I don't know how much we're going to see him offensively, but when you talk about maybe having some creativity and doing something different, perhaps that could be uh tretch because he's, he's can be a difference maker. And I asked Luke about it. And one of the things he said, I thought this was interesting too, is like, he loves the kid. He loves the the toughness and the attitude, but he also said, we've never put him in one of these situations and you want to be, you just want to make sure you're making the right decision. It's been tough for Tretch to get into a rhythm when you can't even participate in fall camp, but I'm just really intrigued by him. And maybe down the road, you can see him doing some of those will Pauling types of things just because of the speed, not a big guy, but he will, uh, he will tie you up in knots with his ability to get off the line and his shiftiness and his route running ability. Yeah. He can shake you. He can yes. shake you. I mean, if you, when you put on the, his highlights, he certainly can shake you. And that's, you know, kind of what they've been missing, right? I mean, obviously, Will Pauling has that in him, but for the most part, you haven't seen a lot of run after the catch from these guys. It's, again, and I know Bryson Green had that catch and run. I think even Luke Fickle mentioned, or Fickle mentioned that on Monday was, you know, we haven't had the explosive plays in the passing game. And I know Bryson Green took that one, but it was kind of a <laughs> a, a, a low catch or a, a short crosser, and he did the rest of the work. We haven't been able to throw the ball down the field. It's kind of what he, Luke, uh, F- what Fickle was saying about that. So, I, uh, I'm, in, I'm intrigued by him. The, the problem right now, obviously, for him is Will Paul and Skyler Bell and Vinnie Anthony. Yeah, and all, all three of those guys obviously are ahead of him. We, we've seen a little bit of Vinnie Anthony. Got a little, got some work on offense on that, um, the reverse right now. The uh, what do, I don't, yeah, what would you even he call took that? it for 18 yards. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, but I'm trying to think what you would call it. I mean, it's it, it's uh, 
a form of a of a jet sweep because you know mm-hmm. go, everything going one way, you go on the other. But yeah, um, so that was that was part of it. But I Tretch did get in on special teams. He was in on kickoff return. He was the up man on the kickoff return. So if the ball had come his way, maybe he would have been able to to, to show something. But no one has kickoff returns anymore for the most part. So <laughs> that was not a possibility. Uh, I, I am intrigued by him and I, I don't know that we're going to see him do anything this year. But when I, when I asked him last week, I'm like, so uh, playing time coming, he's putting in the work, still working, still working. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see if that maybe is something down the line that he can get involved in. Cause I know there are a lot of people that were excited about him coming into this year and potentially being able to crack the rotation and the injury which was to the little toe. That's the little toe. Fifth metatarsal is the little toe. Thank you. Now I can um, put that in the story. Yeah. So I'm sure you'll double check for sure. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I, I'm intrigued, certainly intrigued by his long-term ability. Is there anybody else that you're intrigued by that you have not seen? That stands oh, well. out to you? I, obviously, jo- Jonas uh, DeClona, you've we've seen him a little bit. And Christian mm-hmm. Lego got, got some playing time as well whether it's those two guys or somebody else, is there anybody that, that has you intrigued that you w- wouldn't mind seeing whether it's this year or your, or potentially, you know, when spring practice gets going? Well, definitely Allegro. I mean, he comes in cold off the bench. They stick him in there against Illinois on the last drive and say, Hey, go be a spy. Cause Luke Altmyers rush for a hundred yards on us. He doesn't know what he's doing. And he gets a pass breakup. Like he's got freakish athletic ability. I, I think I addressed this after the, uh, on the Sunday show, but so he's really intriguing. Just the fact that Mike Tressel was willing to stick him in at the dollar spot in fall camp, which is not something he'd ever done before, shows some of the versatility that he has. And then it's a couple of the guys that we really haven't had a chance to see. I know I've talked about Amari Snowden. It's a, big, a lot of corners right now, but they just don't get body types like that. And Braden Moore. I mean, guys, just being on the travel squad as a freshman, and I believe Moore was, um, yes, he has is been. a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. It says something about where the coaches believe you're at. You may not be ready to play unless it's an emergency, but you have done enough to show that you warrant a spot because not everybody travels. So those are a couple of the guys. I, I could go down the list because there's a reason why these guys were recruited. Like I I really love talking to Justin Taylor. He's just he seems like such a leader, but he's not ready yet. But I yeah. think some of those guys who are traveling at least, they're on the cusp. And that's encouraging for the future. I feel like Justin Taylor, and again, we'll see what they do in the transfer portal, but I, I think he might have a chance to to push for the starting the one of the, the, the slot spot next year. Right. Cause that's where he was working in fall camp. They don't have a, they don't have a true backup slot right now. Max Lothi obviously hasn't been able to take part. He was a guy that you thought might have a chance in there. Owen Arnett is listed as the backup slot. Um, but I, I, I kind of feel like some other guys are going to be having a shot and Justin Taylor would seem like one of those guys that would have a chance next year. Um, to push right because Jason Mastry is going to be gone. He's kind of been the only guy that's played in the slot this year. So, yeah, th- th- that it stands out. Jace Arnold traveled for the first time this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that too. Um, all right. So you're working on a story on those three. What that's coming out Friday, correct? That is correct. All right. So check that out on the athletic. I'm on the athletic right now, checking out bowls like where the, oh, the bowl, bowl, bowl projection and i know i'm assuming you've seen this i certainly have was yeah. kind of holding my breath because you can't spell media without i or me so go ahead <laughs> yeah yeah so started scanning down knew it was going to be low right because wisconsin <laughs> where wisconsin is right now and uh what do you think about 
the lovely city on December 26th, the lovely city of Detroit. I hear Detroit that time of year is beautiful. I mean, <laughs> who wants to go to Vegas or Nashville or Arizona? I mean, who wants to go to those places? Nobody, including <laughs> uh, uh, Mac schools, because Mac, uh, Mac schools want to go to Detroit. And that's yep. uh, that's that's who your guy, Scott Docterman, has them playing against right now. They have Wisconsin as the Big Ten number seven facing off against Ohio out of the Mac in the quick lane bowl on December 26th. What's your excitement level if that ends up happening? Ah, I suppose it's more <laughs> than if they don't go to a bowl game. Uh, but then you do have to go to Detroit over the uh, Christmas time, which uh, I mean, <laughs> it's not ideal. But we're also saying this knowing they got to win one of these last three games to give themselves a chance. What's the most likely one? Is it this weekend? Yes, I would think so. But nothing's a guarantee. Nothing is a guarantee. Uh, real quickly, the injury update. You mentioned Braylon Allen. Yeah. Obviously, Jim Ray DK also didn't play last week. He at least warmed up. He had uh, helmet on. It was, you know, not hel- um, he at least went through warmups and was trying to go 100%. Braylon didn't warm up at all. And uh, obviously, Tanner Mordecai was throwing the ball around and dressed for the game. But as I kind of thought, when we were talking the other day and, and Luke Fickle confirmed it was essentially breaking breaking case of emergency, uh, his usage in that game. So any of those three, do you think they'll have a shot to play this week? Maybe Chimre, but it's pure speculation on my part. Part of the challenge, too, is we only get an injury report two hours before kickoff because the Big Ten uh, forced teams to do that now. I think it was at least encouraging that Chimre was warming up on the field before the game, but Certainly didn't look anywhere close. And the Tanner Mordecai thing in particular is when Luke talked about how it would be an emergency situation because he said they can warm up and that's a start. But does that really mean they can take you out there and put you in the best position to win a game? No, you're going to have to be able to practice fully. And I don't know whether we're going to see that this week. But if you don't have your top guys, you run the risk of looking like you did against Indiana. So we didn't get very much from Fickle on that front, and we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, we will. Uh, again, Wisconsin is going to take on Northwestern on Saturday. Kick is at 2.30. We will talk about that game tomorrow night, Thursday night, at Monkson Sun Prairie. Also going to dive into basketball. Uh, for anybody that doesn't want to hear about that right now, close your ears. Uh, the Wisconsin basketball team off to a flying start on uh, Tuesday night, or excuse me, Monday night, when they faced off against Arkansas State with the 105 points, Jesse. Who did the air raid come to the basketball court and just forget about football? That's that's number one for most tweeted thing from Badgers <laughs> fans uh, after that Monday night game. Very yeah. exciting and looking forward to seeing what this basketball team has to offer this year. Yeah, they got a big one coming up on Friday against uh, Tennessee, number nine, Tennessee. I know you're going to be doing a story coming up uh, tomorrow. It's going to be coming tomorrow. Um, talking to Greg Gar, talking to some players. We'll talk all about that tomorrow night at Monkson Sun Prairie from 6 until 7. As I said before, find the podcast wherever you get yours. Uh, it's Temple and Heilprint. Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right, there he is. Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Camp.